My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so Patriots. And today is Monday, February 19th. Man, I'll tell you, this month is flying by. And it's a day in America with a big K. We're going to have some interesting things to listen to this morning. I want to start out this morning with just make sure everybody knows and to continue to keep this on the forefront. We have launched the Give, Send, Go for the initial funding round for the Flemingsburg property, which is where we had Bards Fest in 2023, which was last September. It's quite a facility that's been offered to us. It's going to be two rounds of funding. This initial round of funding is to get it off the market and to get this secured so we can start moving it into 
um, the next phase, which will be our next rounding funding phase. The the opportunity that's been given to us and the terms are just amazing. Um, prayed on it a lot. We've been praying on it a lot in the, around getting a lot of feedback from people. And I think that, I mean, this is a really amazing place here. And, and pretty much as I, I have the Gibson go up and it's the Gibson go forward slash Flemingsburg with one M. I think the easiest way of just saying it here you can read the whole write up there, but there's a couple of things that when it was offered to us, we prayed on it and God definitely shaped the vis- vision. And this is Madeline, uh, mandolin, I keep saying Madeline, mandolin farms. And he wanted to, the vision was that it would become the home for Bards Fest, a place to unite tribes of the remnant, a center of spiritual healing, the training of the fivefold ministry and so much more. Uh, in some mandolin farms was to become an ecclesia for kingdom. So let me just give you kind of the rundown. We're amazing how quickly this has gone. We launched this yesterday. We're already at $5,000 for the initial funding round. We have 27500 as our goal. Trying to get that done this week. And so we're pushing it out hard. And I see that I have a couple of typos in this thing, which is because I have an E at the end of mandolin on two different places. I thought I'd corrected that, but I'll get that corrected after the show. Uh, the, uh, the kind of the whole, just to kind of bullet point what this is, the vision of this, a kingdom stronghold, a location, obviously the home for the Bards Fest and Jesus-centered events, a, a Kingdom Stronghold, a location to prepare the saints for the work in the ministry, training and building the ecclesia and governmental authority, building the church without walls, uniting the tribes of the remnant, training and awakening the fivefold ministry, apostolic, prophetic, healing, deliverance, and raising the dead, a national center of revival and repentance, a center for spiritual healing, a stronghold for Operation Vineyard to rescue, heal, and restore God's children, Training Center for Prayer and Spiritual Warfare, Strategic Coordination Center for Kingdom, Center to Awaken the Gifts and Talents God Has Called Us Each To, Center to Inspire God's Cultural Gifts of Writing, Music, Storytelling, and Traditional Crafts, Location to Train the Talents and of Land Stewardship, Awakening the Warrior Hearts in Christ. So if you are so called, it would be great. We also want prayers on this, please. It would be good to bless this. I have had enough prayer and enough vision from God that I don't think there's any question that this is intended for us. And the owner, Willie, wants this to be in our hands. He, he is really doing everything he can to help us make this happen. And I think that's fantastic. So again, spread this around and uh, we'll put the link. I Last night's podcast, by the way, was fantastic, and and it'll get posted here in just a little bit. And that was with Abigail Peterson and Leah Lumba. Um, fifteen, Leah was fifteen. Uh, Abigail sixteen. They are lit with the Holy Spirit, and they've started a new YouTube channel. So we're going to continue to support that. They really are exciting young ladies to have on the show. But I'll get that posted after this show here, and then we'll have the link between under all our podcasts. We'll have the link of the Give, Send, Go you can go to. It's very easy, givesendgo.flemingsburg. 
couple of the other questions that came out, people asked if they don't if they can avoid using give send go. If they if instead they can mail, yes, I'll put the mailing address at the bottom of that post in give send go. They also asked if you can use PayPal and Zelle and Venmo. Not gonna use Venmo, will use PayPal and I will use I will open so I'll give you an email for PayPal or link and I'll give you um a link or an email for Zelle, so you can use those too. Um, let me just give a quick call to our sponsor this morning. Uh, this is um, a time, obviously, things are up in the air. We've got issues going on now with Taiwan. They're ramping up for yet another war because I guess two on the continent and the world isn't enough. We've got a government that's completely imploding, being run by pedophile elites, and everything's in, in, unstable. We even have a trucker issue going on right now, which we'll talk a bit about this morning. That's going to it can further stress the supply lines. This is leading to instability in the nation. It's coming. There's no avoiding it. You need to be prepared. And by prepared, it means you need to have a good food plan too. If you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you'll find right now on sale $60 off the four-week emergency food kit by My Patriot Supply. Outstanding kit. 2,000 calories a day, everything wrapped in four-layer bags, 24-year shelf life, just basically add water and eat and go. And they're fantastic meals, taste great, and provide you all the nutrition you need. This is a great base plan for your family. Get one for every member of the family. Ensures that everybody has a good, solid foundation, and it supplements any sort of food system you currently have. We are definitely going to be in some interesting times going ahead. So again, head on over to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbars.com. You will not be disappointed that you did. Check it out. Great company and really value what they have for emergency food and so forth. So there you go. Check them out. I Patriot Supply and that's preparewithbars.com. Yeah, there's a, a lot of craziness going on right now. And it's it's kind of at another level of insane when we start to really dig into so much of this. Let me start with this short piece here, and this is um, just paying attention to what the billionaires are doing could kind of give you an indication of where things are likely going. Here we go. Politicians and billionaires have started selling off all their stock. Senator Tupperville just dumped a huge amount of his portfolio this month, and I mean huge. Out of the 61 trades he made over the last month, 59 of them were sales. Tupperville isn't just your regular congressman. When it comes to trading, he has one of the best records in Congress right next to Nancy Pelosi. Maybe one of the reasons behind this performance is the crazy amount of Senate committees that he's on. If you somehow don't know who Quiver Quantitative is, they track the politicians' trades. They have a website. They're one of the best resources you can go to if you want to know what's going on in the stock market and the world. And he points out how Tommy Tupperville sits on a ton of congressional committees that give him insight into what's happening with commodities, rural development, food and nutrition, military action. You can go to quiverquantitative.com and look for Tommy Tupperville, and it'll show you all the data on all of his different trades across the years, whether they're buys or sells, what industries they're in. And you can see what we're talking about here. In February, he sold off huge amounts of stock in every single industry. Just this February, Jeff Bezos has also sold another $2 billion of Amazon stock, and he's up to $6 billion in sales. Mark Zuckerberg is doing the same thing. This is where the SPY is currently at. This is an index that tracks the top 500 and so companies in the, in the market. This was the year 2000, and this was the year 2008, those bubbles. 
But economists want you to believe that this is not a bubble, that this was the crash and we're recovering and it's all good. Except all the insiders, the richest people in the world, the politicians, for some reason think that this is a really good time to sell all of their assets. We also recently discussed how Bloomberg did a study where they showed that media mentionings of soft landings is actually a reverse indicator for soft landings. The yellow is where we've had major recessions and news coverage of the possibilities of soft landings spikes before major collapses. And this is what it's at today. We've also discussed how regional banks are in big trouble again and how the emergency bailouts from 2023's banking collapse end one year later this March. That is in what, 12 days? So if I had a bunch of open trades in the stock market now, I would be pulling a Tupperville and getting the fuck out of this bubble. Fortunately, I don't, because the only stock I'm holding right now is GameStop, and all my shares are directly registered, so if something goes crazy in the market, I'm good to go. And I know that most of you guys are poor too, and don't have any assets to liquidate, so just buckle up and enjoy the ride, because 2024 is gonna suck. But on the bright side, if we all pay attention, it's gonna give a great opportunity to call for change. We just all gotta be educated and paying attention so that when they try to bail themselves out again with our tax dollars, we got something to say about it. And one of the best indications that it's coming soon is that politics. Well, it's coming soon. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, this guy is dead on. And just so you know who this is, this is Ian Carroll, I-A-N. And that's Carol K C A R R O L L on X. He also goes to cancel C L O C L C O cancel C L O C O. Really good account. If you want to keep track of what's going on, he's not playing around, and he does fantastic analysis. He's very uh, tongue in cheek about what he does. I I love the way he approaches stuff, and he's got a lot to say. So definitely, if um, you aren't paying attention, it's coming. Now, I am going to mention another one of our sponsors, but I'm mentioning it because of this. And it is your IRAs and your 401ks. Okay, it's really important that you get those handled. Now, we have Birch Gold. We've had them for a year and a half. I've been talking about this for a year and a half, of getting your retirement income secured in a precious metals-backed IRA. And so it's... The message is dual-hatted. Yes, it's a sponsor, but as you probably can tell, the people I bring on here for sponsors are people that I know are going to be, have known, they're going to be very important to us in one way or another. may not be for everybody. I get it. But Birch Gold is been there and is there for you to find out about getting these things taken care of. If you have a 401k or IRA or if you have retirement money, you want to get into something as precious metals backed in a deferred tax status. And there's many ways people look at that. Get hold of them. And the way you do that is bar, texting BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. You're going to get the information you need. And then you can make a solid assessment and then move forward and be educated. That's the most important part about all of this is get educated on what's going on. So, again, check out Birch Gold because they are an important part of the strategic planning. And what you learn from those free information packets Maybe enough of what you need, but to check it out anyway. There is a ton of things coming down the pipe from the Supreme Court. Here is a post by DC Drano, and that's DC underscore Drano, D R A I N O on X. And he writes 
If you're looking for good news, just remember the Supreme Court will be handing down the most transformational rulings in decades for our 1A free speech rights by this July, four months before the election. Pay attention to these key cases. Murthy, Murthy, M-U-R-T-H-Y, versus Biden, federal government's censorship of social media posts. Oh, Handley versus Weber, California government telling Twitter 1.0 to censor D.C. Drano. Moody versus Net Choice, Florida law banning discrimination of conservatives. And that's Florida law. I like that because everyone thinks Florida is all a good place for conservatives. Paxton versus Net Choice. Texas law banning discrimination of conservative. Oh, I see what it is. Banning. I, I misread that. Apologies. Moody versus Net Choice. Florida law banning discrimination against uh, discrimination of conservatives. So they're challenging the Florida law. Paxton versus Net Choice. Texas law banning discrimination of conservatives. And NRA versus Volo. New York government telling insurance companies not to work with NRA. These are big issues. They're setting it up slowly. And we'll just have to see how this all evolves. But we are definitely into a different window of time, and it's it's insane. And it's not necessarily getting any better. Part of the reason is, is we have such a deep corruption in the moral foundation of our nation. When you start to lose morality, and it's all centered on the same problem, a time and a time again, we talk about this almost every day. We've taken God out of schools. We've taken God out of our life. And then it's amazing how quickly we pivot to this emotional, notional nonsense to start to defend everything under the sun. And I say we, not we as if you're walking with Christ, but as a collective humanity that becomes without an anchor pin in faith and in our, especially with our, our belief in Jesus, it, we just wander off into the abyss, to be quite blunt. We just, off we go. So the, the problem that we have here is a growing cancer of this wokeness that is not going away anytime soon. One of the reasons I just keep pounding on this and, and it's this place that we have to continue to press our message into the world and continue to pray as we do is because wokeness is, has been rooted deeply. Now, I'm going to play a piece here in just a moment. I'm going to read you a post, and this post is from Billboard Chris which is at Billboard Chris on X. And it's disturbing because this is going to give you a reflection and it's two parts of it's disturbing. One is these people that you're hearing speak are speaking at a TED conference, which is highly influential, especially to a kind of a millennial class. Two, that what we're dealing with here is and they could be paid agents for all I know, but there's a sincerity of what they're speaking, even if it's acting, that is literally settling into weak hearts and people who are morally and emotionally just lost or broken. And they're perpetuating a sickness, a belief in pedophilia in this case, which is all at the center point of woke culture. Understand that pedophiles are the backbone to this movement that has been this cabal of control across the world. We like to look at them as a satanic ritual cult, but when we dig in deeper, pedophilia is a given. And anymore, I'm beginning to even look at people who have fallen deep into the corruptions of politics. And if they're going to be doing 
anybody that starts to get into those high levels of influence where suddenly like accounts explode or they get, especially in politics where, where their positions are being secured by, criminal, by the criminal manipulation of the vote and they're getting money, say, from CCP and business partnerships. We have one here in our county. He's a representative, and he's, his son is tied, is in bed with the CCP. I will guarantee you, you run that rabbit hole, we're going to find kids involved in that somewhere. And I don't mean kids in a good way. I mean, like, it's going to be child sex trafficking. It's going to be pedophilia. It's going to be some sort of having sex with a minor or something. Because that's just the way this game works. And the more that we peel this back, the more that we understand just how corrupt this is. Pedophiles know that there is zero tolerance in the moral base of this for the majority of people, especially anybody that has children that really cares about them. This war that's being waged, which we have, it's been great about the last two shows, Saturday Night Gospel of Peace, last night Expedition Cafe, but in particular Gospel of Peace on Saturday night, you were able to get a firsthand glimpse, not from a film, that would, like which we reviewed Robbie Starbucks film, The War on Children, on Saturday night, not just on a film, not from some YouTube clip. We had two young girls, one 16, one 15, one in Ohio, one in New Jersey, telling us the stories and documenting their peer group of what's happening. And what's coming in on this is that we are seeing that this cancer that we are constantly looking at and constantly discussing here is more, it's not only is it real, it's getting worse. And that the fact that there is no scripture in school, these kids are dying to just to be acknowledged and be loved. It's the center point of the power of love of Jesus. All that's being stripped away. And so the only relationship they have is as they go through a very stressful world, and this is all by design, they are now finding themselves questioning who they are. And it's designed to tear, that's MK Ultra stuff here. This is how you start to break down the psychology of a child and this is why Kinsey becomes such an critical pivot here. There's a lot of people in denial about this. I mean, people that shouldn't be in denial, but people that are in denial. They want to think that somehow that, that you know, all of this is overcomable and it's there. And the answer is it is, but it isn't going to go away quickly. So let me go back to this post as we continue this. So this is Billboard Chris. He says, look at these women feeling sorry for pedophiles. I'm, I, one of them in the picture, I'm not sure it's a woman. I think it's a trans they say pedophile is a sexuality. One even says babies are born with it. We're told to, quote, overcome our negative feelings about pedophiles. This is the cult of queer theory. The same trans-like compassion they feel for pedophiles is why so many leftist women cheer on men in women face as their own rights are destroyed. They have completely lost their moral compass these are the types who applaud the maiming of, and sterilization of children, believing that children were born in the wrong body. Fools so blind to evil, they become useful idiots. Take a listen. Most of us feel discomfort when we think about pedophiles. But just like pedophiles, we are not responsible for our feelings. We do not choose them. But we are responsible for our actions, and we must make a decision. It is in our responsibility to reflect and to overcome our negative feelings about pedophiles and to treat them with the same respect we treat other people with. 
we should accept that pedophiles are people who have not chosen their sexuality and who, unlike most of us, will never be able to live it out freely if they want to lead an upright life. We should accept that pedophilia is a sexual preference. Statistics indicate that there will be one or two of you who are struggling with some form of pedophilic interest. These people can't talk about their feelings because they know that they will be hated for it. I truly do believe that every person is longing for love at some point in their life. And what if this love that you really wish for will forever be impossible? That must be a really lonely situation to be in. Yes, from an emotional point of view, I can kind of understand that you want to, would want to eliminate these people from society. However, it doesn't make sense. And that's because we're talking about biology. We're talking about a sexual orientation, something that we simply cannot change. And on top of that, every day, new people are born with the same difficulty. So it's not practical to eliminate these people from society. They haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> I swear. You're listening, literally, if you, if you listen to this carefully, you're just listening to the demon inside talk. And someone said, it sounds like an AI voice. I wish it was an AI voice. It's, it's honestly, it's a person is so broken. They don't know what's going on. This is the demon speaking right out of them is what this is. This demon is, and the reason this becomes such a big deal is they know the time is closing down. This is all Satan's maneuver again of trying to bring as many people over to, to his side so that God has to destroy more and more of his children. That's the idea. This is why they want to screw up kids. They want to get to the core of being able to disrupt children so they cannot find God. And once they're traumatized and raped and abused by pedophiles, which and then the idea is to get society to where we have empathy for this abuse. All of that is anti-scriptural, anti-God, anti-everything. And of course, the churches that are now putting up these rainbow flags, and there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of corruption. There's a new movie out, A Letter to the Church, and it's backed by Charlie Kirk. And it gets into this. And I have now honestly, I have not watched it yet. I've just seen the clips from it. It looks solid. I don't know that for myself. I don't know if the message is strong enough, but nonetheless, it's a good message because it's talking about the communist takeover of the seminaries, which we should call cemetery, and it's talking about the corruption of the pulpit, which we talk about all the time. These are essential pieces here, and that. If you start to look at these films that are coming out that people are being called to put out, the film by The War on Children, the film by the, the Letter to the Church, the film we're putting together on this end, which is about, it's going to be The War on Children, another version of The War on Children. We didn't call it that. It's, it's actually, um, it's going to be Bards of War, Family is Everything. It's the word we're coming out. There's a, another film coming out after that. And we have a number of these films that God's putting on our heart to do which is to empower these youth and, and awaken families to the destruction of what's going on here. And this isn't, is not be by accident because the war is literally at the root of the family and the corruption that's gone on there and the, the complacency and willingness to, to let that happen. The church is not speaking out on it harsh. 
in fact, it's going the other way. And when they fly that LGBTQ flag up front, and they're, I told you, just going through Charlotte, South Carolina, or North Carolina, Charlotte, last year, or a year and a half ago, I was stunned. I mean, they have LGBTQ flags everywhere in front of churches. That's an occupied church. And it's an occupied church with an ideology that is there to disrupt and destroy. And of course, this is what they want to mainstream is the idea that everybody needs to get along. Everybody, we need to, God loves everybody. That was the message that came out of the Super Bowl. Christ loves everybody. God loves everybody. And if you're white, you're going to be washing the feet of everybody. I mean, that's literally the message. So we're seeing this corruption at a deep, deep level. And it's, and it's part of this entire cultural war that they're fusing and trying to get the two sides to be so confused and so demasculated and they just don't have any strength anymore. Men were destroyed emotionally in 2007, the collapse of the market, and they really have not recovered and are starting to recover but haven't recovered fully since. Now they're going after women, and unfortunately, there's a strong enough vocal movement of women that have lost their way that they're just giving their rights over to men that are dressed like women. And you put on a skirt and a man gets his equal rights as a woman, which is insane. The inversion of everything, and it's, it's really quite amazing to watch any tolerance of this whatsoever. But we do. As a society, we have become very soft to this. We've accepted this. And Americans are very much aligning with the obedience to rules rather than the obedience to moral law. And the obedience to rules is creating a timidness within men. I've said all along, we went back to COVID, and I've said this all along, had we seen men as a whole come together to sit down with their sheriff and explain the rules of the road, like, sheriff, let me explain something to you. If you dare close a single business here, you and every one of your deputies is gonna find it difficult to operate in our county because we're not gonna stand for it. Those sheriffs would have towed the line because they would have been more concerned about the people they serve than the masters who pay, their, pay them on the back end. But we don't see that sort of moral strength. That was the strength of my grandfather's era. And we haven't seen that sort of moral strength. And it's, not, it's definitely not coming out of the pulpit. And the pulpit is a hugely influential piece. If it wasn't, you wouldn't see so many politicians pander, pandering to the evangelical vote. They understand it. But what they're trying to swing is getting that so that evangelical vote is castrated, has no power anymore, and so they can focus on this other side, the woke vote. They can focus on the illegal vote because the illegals, regardless, at this point in time, when they're being offered citizenship by one party and fast-track into the military to get citizenship, they are not going to be obedient to morals of their faith. They're going to be obedient to the right to stay and to put food on the table with a green, with a citizenship, not just a green card. That sort of conflict is what's before us, and it's leading to a, an, a very intense moment in our history. Right now, and Gateway Pundit put this article up, and it's titled, it's from uh, Homan, and Leo Homan is a guest poster, and it, it reads, the second American Civil War is starting. I'm going to read a couple things from this. The American society is spinning out of control, and I'll be honest with you, when I first read this, I had to make sure this wasn't a paid-for advertisement because it's kind of had the same tone, but I, and that's why I am going to read it. It's not. It's an actual post. What you need to do now is to prepare for massive civil unrest and violence. It doesn't take any brilliant analytical mind to discern that American society is losing its rudder and that there are powerful forces seeking to divide us at 
a critical juncture provoking us to civil war. After decades of ideological attacks on our gatekeeping institutions by globalists with no allegiance to this country, American sense of identity and purpose is dangerously close to dead. 100% true. A country without a cohesive identity is a country ripe for manipulation, division, ultimately war among its factions. When the elites feel their power slipping, which I believe they do, that's when they adopt a burn-it-all-down mentality, gaslighting in the media, finger-pointing and scapegoating on all play into the strategy, and we've seen plenty of that over the last few years. But it's not just America, it's Western civilization as a whole that is withering. And when civilizations implode, everyone suffers the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Many of my Christian friends are not so, say not to worry, everything will work itself out just fine, God's in control. I read history and see that this just, and I see that just because God is in control doesn't mean his followers won't per suffer persecution even in the point of death. That mentality coming out of the church is end of times theory. And it's this whole thing that we're going to be raptured out. You're all going to be good. Don't worry about it, which is the, it's just this ridiculous lottery mentality. It's like, well, I'm going to be, I'm more in Jesus than you're in Jesus. So therefore I'm going to be raptured out and you're going to have to stay. That is not in our directives. We were given the authority to occupy, expand, and ultimately control and subdue. And that's, that's core to who we are. And this whole bankruptcy of the pulpit, which is this message that has just been pounding on people, is the, the issue that people somehow, that Jesus is going to fix everything. We created the problem. We, we, we let the whole family go into the wastebasket. We have thrown our children to the altar of Baal to be mutilated and, and cut and, and tortured and destroyed. We've continued to allow abortion to continue rampantly around the country. It's even now being reestablished more strongly in the state level than it was at a national level. We throw our hands up and we say, we can't stop what we can't stop because ultimately what we're saying is Satan has more control than God. So we know that Jesus will come and rapture us out and everything will be okay and, we, and hallelujah, away we go. I don't care how many ways you dice that. It's never something I would stand for, ever. Because our position here is literally to use our authorities that we were given by Jesus to overcome. And unfortunately, this mentality, and it's, it's a big one, is going to blow up in people's face. And it's going to blow up in the church's face. Because they do not have the, these resources, nor do they have the capacity and even the emotional capacity to deal with the explosion and the, corrupt, and the collapse of society to where they become safe havens. They don't, they don't become, they'll become refuges, refu refuges for people to come to. When what's going to happen when this thing starts to fall apart, where are people going to want to turn to their church? And the question I would have is, do churches have stockpiles and stores like Joseph? Do I have, the churches, are churches building stockpiles and stores and capacity to train people how to grow gardens and people how to lift them up? The answer is no. I've talked to enough pastors around this country. It's like, are you training, as a simple example, are you training gardening in your in, and how to be self-sufficient? And I have had this answer way too many times. Well, it's part of something we want to get to. And my answer is always the same. You might want to hurry up. It's time. The breaking down of the walls of the church and creating an open wall church, and the principle of that is it's in our heart, it's in the world. 
And again, this kind of goes back to why, as I read this, I'm even getting a hit on the Holy Spirit of like the urgency of setting up these kingdom safe spaces. And it's not like, like we'll take Flemingsburg. It's the point of this is to create spaces where we know we can pull together powerful and strong people in, in Christ that are walking in that, in that church of Acts. Not only can we provide healing, we can provide tools and training, and ultimately probably some resources to get people by and then to send them back into the world. This is how we win. It's not holding up in our church. And I've shared this quote with you before, but it was so powerful at the moment. It was a conference I went to up in Salem, I'm sorry, up in Portland. And that at that meeting, there was, at the end of it, a woman stood up, and everybody's kind of getting ready to go, and you've got a mix of female and women and men pastors, pastors that are there, and most of them in skinny jeans, my favorite mix. And so as they're sitting there, she says, these were her words. When Antifa came to Portland, pastors locked themselves inside their churches and Antifa went to the ground and preached their gospel of Satan. And they won. This is a true statement. And this tends to be the exact position of what's happening across our nation. So the importance of this is to understand that there is, a, there is an unavoidable crisis coming here. It's going to get worse in the cities. We have a trucker boycott. If you've not been tracking, this extremely important to put in context right now. And it's growing. Truckers are finally coming together. They are angry over the $350 million fine against President Trump. So there's a lot of chatter on truckers. And it doesn't take many. Let me be clear about this. But it's a growing agreement that they are not going to deliver to New York City. And I've talked about this not just here, but when we were in, when I was working at AWG, Asymmetric Warfare Group, New York was a big center of study for us of looking at the logistics vulnerability and dealing with conflict in a mega city. Because New York, in city, New York is 10 million. In the peripheral areas, the outer lying areas around New York, it's almost 20 million. I don't know about right now, but well, yeah, with the illegals, I'm sure it's all of that. New York is highly vulnerable. Everything to downtown New York, it's an island. It goes through a tunnel. It doesn't take much to disrupt that traffic. In fact, the simplest way somebody can disrupt the traffic in New York is literally to drive a flatbed truck with somebody on the back that lights a couple tires. I'm not exaggerating about this. And kicks them off the back of the truck and smokes up a tunnel and it immediately locks everything down because they have so many protocols in place in case of terrorist attack. That's all it takes. And once you shut that down, the time to clear that tunnel, the disruption to traffic and flow of goods and services is immense. Now imagine if you have a few truckers that are not going to deliver their goods. It's already hard enough to get into New York. New York. If you haven't driven into New York, let me tell you, that is an experience. And so... It is one of these moments that as truckers agree not to deliver to New York, you're talking about a ripple effect because something like this is disrupting goods and services there. There's already people primed. Remember, all of these illegals have been given free everything, free phones, free food, free, free housing. They are expecting to be treated like that. And it doesn't matter if you have free food and free phones. If you can't get food, you're still starving because you can't eat your phone and you can't eat your EBT card. And you can't afford what you can't afford. So we are dealing with a crisis emerging here that doesn't have to come directly from governmental hands. But it's a crisis that's a natural evolution of people finally saying, I've had enough. But then when the supply chains get broken and start to, they're already fragile, the ripple effects of catching up is the next problem. Let's just say that that supply chain gets disrupted for a week. 
the ripple effect to get supplies back in New York is massive because it's a it's difficult to move things anyway. All of these things, when you start to look at the ripple effect of things, this is the second, third, and fourth order effects of issues. They lead to cultural instability. And there has been enough of this infusion of hatred, especially hatred targeted at Christians. It's there. It's the hatred of those coming across the border. They're the they're the radicalized people from the Middle East. And I'm and I'm I'm careful to just say it's I'll just say it this way. There's radicalized Muslims coming across the, their border. They are a problem that are going to try to pit the everybody against all of Muslim culture. We have radicalized Chinese by nature are Buddhist, by the way, that are going to come across and do their thing and try to get us to hate all Chinese. Remember, Christians, Chinese Christians spend more time every one of them ultimately ends up spending time in prison at one point or another. So you can see the war on the Christian faith, but it's getting blinded by the cultural and the, the racial differences and even worse, the sexual gender preference issues so that we hate each other. The pulpit's response, let's love everybody. Instead of taking a firm message of saying, this is wrong, this is the word of Jesus, this isn't acceptable, we'll bring you to Christ and we will stand and use our authorities in prayer and our authorities as sovereigns and as children of the Most High to defend what is ours. But that's, that's the loss of strength. So we have to raise this up, and it is an hour, a critical hour to literally stand this up and, and lean into this. And that has nothing, this is why it has nothing to do with race. And this is why in the, in the sense of bringing together the tribes of the remnant, which is a, it's coming through in, in not just my prayers. I was talking to Pastor Rod Parker the other day, who was the one that ran the tent revivals down on, on, the, on the, the border. And he's getting the same call. And his call is bring together the apostolic ministries. Bring them together. These are the remnant of the church. This is the new church. He's getting that call. If you talk to Pastor Devonese, she's getting the call. And she represents hundreds of black pastors. We hear the same thing coming out from Native American churches. So we're starting to see this, con this confluence of tribes, the remnant tribes coming together and God's setting up places where they can come together and to start ministering together and building out that unique and beautiful collage and fabric of the body of Christ. But it's not weak. In fact, it's anything but. It's, it's powerful. So when you have... We have an interview this week with Pastor Dave Scarlett and of, of his glory. And he makes the comment in there, which I laughed when he said it, because it's, you, it's God again, but it's saying the same thing. You hear me talk about the skinny jean pulpit, and his comment was skinny jean the smoke machine pulpit. And I was laughing. I'm like, that's God. Because there's no, he and I don't share notes, right? This is the power and time in which we live. And that we've got to start bringing the the body of those that are truly understanding the authorities we live in, which is a remnant by divine by design. It is a remnant. It is not exclusive to Bar's Nation. It is a remnant, and a remnant that is out here that is outside the walls of the dead stone walls of the church, and that offends a lot of people. But you got to be able to walk it because it isn't the churches can't revive, but unless they start pulling it out of the pulling out out of their heart that what God is telling them these pulpits are weakening and they're not building the strength in the body at a critical time we need it can you can we reach across the aisle and pull them across of course 
but the up the upsurge of violence is going to stress the existing church to the nth degree. Churches should be safe havens to a certain degree. Churches should be places to build out the concepts of God's governance, of the authorities which we have, of the tools and, and techniques that we have. And it should be part of a community, not just some sort of event that happens on Sunday. And that means part of our life. So I want to play this piece here for you. This is the, uh, I think this will set things into a light humor at the end. God's creation in all of us is unique. It's beautiful. It comes out in amazing ways. And I'm just going to tell you that after you hear this, I just love the story of this little girl. Just, you'll understand in a minute. Take a listen. Talk about their second child being feral. It's not an exaggeration. There's something There's something different in their actual blood and DNA. I was in the car. We're talking about bad guys. You know, what do you do if a bad guy grabs you? What do you do if a stranger tries to pick you up from school? Blah, blah, blah. And my son, six years old, he's like, I would, you know, kick and scream, call 911, find an adult. And I'm like, cool, okay. My four-year-old, sweet angel of a daughter, wearing a beautiful Christmas dress in the back seat, said, I would take a butter knife, stab him in the belly button, turn on country music while I watch him pass away. I legitimately made eyes with my son in the mirror, and I was like, Flynn, if you're scared back there, blink twice. We'll talk about <laughs> I love that four-year-old girl. That is just it right there. Um, this is just a, an amazing little girl. And I, I laugh because here's the thing. There is there is a, a a brutality and harshness to that that we never want to talk about in faith. Like, we have to love everybody. <laughs> Flipping tables isn't loving everybody. This little girl is literally, like, I just, I get this sense of, like, God's like, here, give him this. This This will shake things up a bit. Here you go. And let's, let's, let's stop the nonsense of people taking advantage of my children. She's a fighter, I'll tell you that. If, it was, if, if that would have been me in the front seat, I'd be looking over at my son going, eh, son, take notes from your sister. That's the right answer. And keep going there so it's all good. All right, patriots. It's a amazing time in our nation, and it's an amazing time for us to be literally in a place of spreading the gospel in such a wild and wonderful way. People are receptive. Children are needing it. They need to hear that they're loved by Jesus. We need to empower them with the words. We need to empower them with the authorities which we have been given, truly. And prayer is one of those most fundamental elements of warfare that when we are praying from our heart and we're praying with authority, God is hearing our prayers and we are literally shaking the world. So again, we've got the give, send, go up. We're going to pray on it right now and pray on other things. But I'm going to spread that around and and let's see if we can't make this goal to get this property off the market, secured, and then move to our next level of funding so we can put it into contract, which would be great because this is literally a place where we can change the world. And that's the beginning of a number of positionings God has put on my heart this year to start moving towards as a, quote, Bard's nation to build a place where we can reach out to the many tribes and start building tribe unity of the, the tr tribes of the remnant, which is powerful. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for this time we've had in fellowship and in worship. And Father, as we talk about these issues and being relevant to the time in which we live, it becomes increasingly clear that there's an urgency in the hour to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to truly bring people to the repenting heart of a nation. 
This isn't just about revival. This is about truly reviving the true love in Jesus, which means to our knees and begin on our knees and repent for all that we have. Father, as you placed on our hearts, and we have moved forward now, the position of Flemingsburg as a place, Mandolin Farms as a center point, a hub to establish a strong point for the ministry of the remnant to really bring together a foundation of the ecclesia and a place to start assembling the remnant tribes where we can reach and build out the fivefold ministry. Father, we just ask for the continued blessings as we move forward to raise the first round of funding to be able to apply that to secure this property and take it off the market and start moving into an agreement so we can move to the second level of funding and then completely establish that as a stronghold not only for Bard's nation, but for the collective efforts of the remnant tribes. Father, we just know that this is a, a property that's being acquired in your name. It's a facility that's being acquired in your name and your purpose, not for anybody's benefit. And it's something that will be established permanently in the holdings in such a way that it will forever remain in your name and for the purpose of the ministries. So Father, we just ask for those blessings to continue to flow with us and on us to help that happen. We pray for wherever people are right now, we pray for where they're at to truly hear the heart and and the call that you're putting on people's hearts to break down the walls of the formations and the rigidity of the, of the dead stone walls of the church and to step in to revive the strength and voice of the pulpit. We are, that pulpit is taking many forms and that pulpit becomes even the pulpit into the world where people are now able to have the strength and courage to step in and speak Jesus into the world in such a critical time. This is a time now where, as you put on my heart, and I'm assuming in others' hearts, we're focused truly, clearly in the position of the remnant, of bringing the remnant together. Outside of that, you and your time and place will help us, lead us to building the greater unity in the body of Christ. But this right now is the center point of this fight as we are in the trenches, literally waging war on a daily basis to lift up the power and glory of Jesus in our daily lives and the world around us and to transform that which is before us into a true love and appreciation for Jesus. Let your words flow through us. Let the voice of Holy Spirit speak to us. And in the process, we just pray that we will continue to lift up the hearts and the glory and the ferociousness of the warrior heart in Christ in each one to understand what is at stake, to understand what we are fighting for, to understand what we are defending, and to understand what the nature of this evil is, to give us eyes to see clearly as we look in to realize that this is truly a demonic attack. We have to separate the demon from the flesh. We have to separate the sin from the sinner. We have to be able to see into the heart and see where the corruption is, and we have to speak into it and cast it out and ultimately set people free as we've set ourselves free. So we ask that you'll guide us and protect us in this hour. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. It's a good time, truly a good time. So again, um, there is an importance here of a criticality of time in this um, give, send, go. I'm going to we'll push it out. We're going to have it coming out in email, and I'll tell you when that comes, hopefully the next day or so, and just to keep rolling here. And we'll just keep pushing and get this thing. I believe this is going to happen, and this is where I'm excited about and I believe it's going to happen quickly, and I think we're going to see truly um, something profound happen here. It would give an anchor point that we are much needed and people have asked for for a long time. And I think that that's all of this is coming together in an amazing way. And so we'll work together to make that happen. Patriots, 
Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost.
but we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.